Hello friends and welcome. I hope you all woke up this morning with medicine on your mind. I know I sure did. My name is Sonia Surya and I am so excited that you're here with me on this unique journey in exploring various medical fields and how to navigate the educational and professional pathways within them. If you're like me and are thinking of a career in healthcare or are even just interested in hearing about different careers in general, keep listening to hear from a real professional about their personal experiences and advice. There is no better way to explore the field of medicine. And of course, if you enjoy this episode and others, feel free to share this podcast with friends and family. My main goal here is to bring as much knowledge as I can to as many different people as possible. So with that, let's get right into our interview for the day. So today we are so lucky to be joined by Dr. D, a podiatrist from Portland, Oregon in the United States. Um, Dr. D, can you just start out by introducing yourself to our audience? Uh, Sure. Um, uh, So name is Yama de Kanzada. I've been in practice uh, since 2000 when I got my uh, um, pediatric degree. I've been always in the Portland area. Um, and that's where I did my residency, and that's where I chose to stay. Um, so um, that's that's my short version of story. Um, I get my I got my degree, uh, my bachelor's degree in California, and I really wanted to stay around the West Coast area, closer to family and closer to cities I enjoyed living in. Um, so that's, that's why I decided on residency in, uh, in Portland, Oregon. Great. And so my first question is, what are all the educational steps necessary to get into the field of podiatry? Um, so it's very similar to getting into an MD program. Uh, so a DPM is what you end up getting if you're going to a podiatry school medical school. Um, It's very similar. And I think that's intentional because um, podiatry has always been thought of as uh, somewhat of a lesser um, uh, profession. And and I think the attempt has always been to make it very similar to how a a, a MD medical school will will be uh, as far as contents, especially the first two years. So what you need is a bachelor's degree, like any other medical school, and then you take your MCAT exam. Uh, then you get into podiatry school. Um, uh, so there are several of them around the country, and I, have, I don't know the count anymore because it used to be about eight of them, and now there may be a couple more. Um, you do your four-year of uh, a podiatric uh, medical school, which uh, first two years is very similar to uh, other medical schools, uh, maybe even identical. And, and then we go to our third and fourth year of uh, school, and that's more specific for podiatry. Uh, and then once you finish the podiatry school, you get your degree, then you go for a residency program. Um, after that, some people go for a fellowship if they want to do any subspecialty work. Um, but usually it's a, uh, these days it's a three-year to four-year uh, residency program. And after that, you're, you're, uh, you uh, can start your own practice, et cetera. 
Thank you. My next question is, with all of the shadowing opportunities being really limited or, well, like kind of non-existent right now um, because of COVID, I think it would be really helpful for people to know what life looks like in your career. So can you describe what a day in your life would normally look like? Okay. Well, one of the things I like about uh, poetry um, is that not every day is the same. Um, so I, in a typical day, I might see, uh, you know, I have a more of an established practice. So I would see about 20, 25 patients, um, in a full day. Um, and, um, it's like a 20 minute appointments and, uh, you get to see, I mean, myriads of things. We see, um, fractures, we see people with chronic issues, we see, uh, diabetics uh, who have wounds in their feet, and so we do a fair amount of wound care. Uh, we see tumors and other unidentified uh, lumps and bumps and things like that. As long as it's on the feet, we see them. So um, we, there's very much, it's very hands-on kind of a work. Um, it's uh, rare. Uh, I mean, it happens that I just see a patient and I give them a prescription for something. Uh, but this usually involves something as far as watching them walk, uh, manipulation, um, casting them for an orthotic, an arch support, an insert for your, their shoes, uh, cleaning the breeding, uh, a wound, uh, or doing a small procedure in the office. Um, and we deal with all kinds of people. It could be from a six-year-old kid to, to a 90-year-old person that uh, has uh, their own issues. So... That's what I like about it is a typical day is really not typical. It's um, uh, we see fair amount of uh, variety. So uh, it keeps it interesting. Yeah, thank you. Um, and so my next question is when you were 17 or 18, which is around the age that I am right now, um, did you imagine yourself becoming a podiatrist and what was going on in your mind about where your life would be headed? Um, I didn't even know there was such a thing as a podiatrist as an 18-year-old. Um, so uh, my, my inclination to be a, a, a physician uh, comes from uh, my dad, and, and he was very uh, uh, adamant on all his four boys be all doctors, and that's not atypical uh, kind of uh, thing. Um, uh, so that's what he wanted. Uh, and that was what was drilled into my head from the, from the time I was uh, a child. Um, so I knew I wanted to be a physician, but I really didn't know much about podiatry as an 18-year-old. Um, I uh, in My sort of attitude was, uh, I'll decide when I get there, let me take the steps that gets me there. Uh, so focusing on um, you know, uh, my undergraduate and, uh, and all of that was more, uh, more of what I was thinking about. I really wasn't thinking about um, what profession and how my life's going to be. And um, maybe it was a blessing. I don't know. Uh, but it, it, I, I didn't spend too much time thinking about details of how it's going to be and how which uh, specialty I like etc. Um, I just knew I, I enjoyed medicine and I, I wanted to go there and my dad's encouragement um, helped. 
And so what are some challenges that you faced in your career and how did you overcome them? Well, um, so I mean, challenges are, um, a lot of them are very typical, uh, which is, you know, as far as uh, staying and uh, staying focused on, as a young person, it's harder to stay focused on, on a goal. Um, and so those were typical challenges, uh, the initial phase of um, studying. Um, I think my biggest challenge came with residency. Um, and residency, residency is tough. Um, it depends on what kind of residency you get. So uh, if you get a good residency, a competitive residency, I think by definition, that's going to be tough. It's going to be demanding of your time, demanding on your on your body and on your mind. Um, so, so I, I think um, I learned a lot. I appreciated having it, but there were times that uh, I was very um, unhappy and, and exhausted and, and just not, not, not feeling the desire to learn. Um, it felt like, you know, it was just a, a very taxing on my, on my body and on my mind. Um, so to stay focused in, in, and just get put one foot in front of the other and get through it, now that was the, one of the most challenging things I've done um, uh, for my career. And I think, yeah, and I, yeah, go on. And it got easier after that. I think once I got out of that, and that's the pressure cooker that prepared me. Um, I think it didn't it did make it easier afterwards. Getting into uh, my own practice and, and dealing with all of those nuances of of uh, mm-hmm. you know running a business, etc. I think all of those were a lot easier just because I got out of such a pressure cooker that everything else felt uh, relatively easy. Yeah, that actually makes sense. I like how you said that, um, like what kind of residency program you're getting into matters in like your work level or how stressed you might be. Um, Because yeah, that that definitely makes sense. And then another question that I had um, was how do you manage a work-life balance and how did you manage that while still in school? Well, um, in school, I didn't, um, I didn't have any work-life balance. Mm-hmm. I just had work. Um, so when I went to medical school, I promised myself that um, I will do the best uh, I could possibly do. And I think it was the first time in my life that I, um, I didn't care about how, what dad wanted, what mom wanted. I just was very much focused on what I wanted. And I wanted to do excellent. I didn't want to do good. I didn't want to do mediocre. I want to be excellent at what I was picking there, um, especially how expensive it was to get into medical school. Right. Uh, so what I did um, is I got an apartment. This is in San Francisco that even in uh, year 1996, when I went to medical school, it was very expensive. And most people were living to in, in a, um, you know, sharing rooms and, and dorms and things like that. But I said, no way. I need my own place. I don't want any distraction. I want it exactly the way I want it. And I can focus on studying. And that's exactly what I did. So there was no balance. It was just eat, sleep, get up, go to school, study, period. Um, and, 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 and I got what I wanted out of it. Uh, I think I sacrificed those four years of medical school to accomplish that. And, and then in the end, when I went to residency, same thing. There's no work-life balance. 
um, um, I got married in my second year of residency, but, uh, but decided not to have kids because there was no way I was going to be able to um, uh, contribute uh, in the life, uh, uh, in the home and all of that. So I, I decided to put everything on pause, really, for four years of medical school and for four years, uh, three years for me, three years of uh, residency um, uh, training. So th th then, then comes the part that I do have control, and that's when I become a podiatrist, and uh, I have a lot more control over work-life balance. And and I'll tell you, it's the every decade that has passed, I have been better and better at it um, because financially you do better, and you reach certain goals, and then you realize, okay, you really don't have to kill yourself uh, mm -hmm. to 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 earn a living, uh, to be successful. Uh, and I think uh, with age comes wisdom. So you think yeah. I learn a little bit more about how to balance and not be driven to the point that uh, that, that life, uh, family life uh, suffers. So I think I've been gotten a lot better with it um, as, as years have passed. Right. Absolutely. Um, so what is your favorite part of your job and least favorite part if you have one, of course? Um, every job has both, and if anybody says that doesn't, um, uh, I'm not sure they are truthful about it because um, <laughs> I don't can't think of any job I've had ever in my life that I've liked every aspect of it. Um, so my favorite part, which really does, I mean, it's it may sound corny, but it it is really uh, having thankful patients, patients that are uh, mm. appreciative of what you've done on regular basis, it's just uh, food for the soul. Um, you, you, you see these people, you take care of them, they're truly appreciative, um, and you've made a difference in their lives, you've made a good living, and you've helped somebody. And I don't know a lot of jobs that uh, gives you that in that frequency. You know, I mean, everybody gets thank you, and oh, thank you for doing a good job, whatever. It, but, but it's the level of appreciation and the frequency you get it in a in a day i may have 20 25 patients and i would say good 20 of them are truly thankful for what you just did right. um, um so that's 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 very satisfying in a typical day so i appreciate that i enjoy it i enjoy interacting with my patients um uh, but then comes the business side of it and then comes the um uh, dealing with insurances and the financial side of it, which is is not fun, uh, and and also can't not mention charting and uh, writing your charts. Uh, if if the, if they could eliminate charts out of my life, uh, I would be probably uh, a lot happier person. <laughs> um, it is very time consuming. It's uh, it's difficult. Uh, to um, to manage that uh, and, and also focus on more important thing, which is your patient. Um, so that's always been a challenge, and I think it's going to be until they figure out a better way uh, that that we chart. So that's my least favorite chart uh, writing charts afterwards, and, and I, I despised coming home and doing finishing my charts that I did, couldn't finish while I was at work. Um, that would be my least favorite part of it 
Yeah, I've definitely heard that from other doctors too about the charting. Um, so my next question is, what are some continued parts that you have to complete through your career? Um, for example, research, exam certifications, or other things like that. Um, so when you when you get your degree, uh, then uh, if you want to be a surgeon, in, in podiatry, you have an option of not being a surgeon or be a surgeon. Um, if you go to a surgical residency, then you have the option of being a surgeon. But for that, you need to have a board certification. Um, a lot of places, most places, don't accept you uh, into their uh, staff if you are not board certified or at least board qualified. So you have to, it's a two-part exam in podiatry. So you take part one and then when you take that exam, uh, then you're called board qualified. And then within uh, first seven years of your practice, you need to uh, submit uh, a certain number of cases uh, you know, with x-rays and all the details uh, and to prove that you have done X number of cases successfully. And, and then um, once you take a second part of the exam, then you're considered board certified. And, and that's kind of like a feather in your cap. And, and you could say, yeah, I'm board certified in four foot surgery. Um, it's, it makes you much more competitive. It looks good on your resume. It looks uh, good to your full that, okay, my surgeon is a board certified surgeon. So that's the biggest part of postgraduate kind of work. Um, but you got to have, like every other uh, medical profession, you have to have a certain a number of uh, uh, CMEs, which is the medical education um, every profession has their own numbers, but um, every year we have to submit uh, or, or at least a test that we have done uh, the minimum number of CMEs uh, to stay uh, current on all the new issues. Um, so those are the most, the biggest part. And some people like getting into research. And I think most of those people are people that are working in institutions and, and uh, in universities and mm -hmm. schools. But me, I, I chose to go into private practice, and really there's no time for uh, anything like that. Um, and I was frankly not ever very that interested in research. Um, so, uh, so for me, I don't do any of that. I've never done one or any of that. Um, I may have been part of it in a small amount and small way, but I uh, usually wasn't that interested. So I never went that direction. Right. Okay, well, thank you for that. So this is my second to last question before we are done for today. Um, what are some subspecialties within podiatry and what do you practice specifically? Um, so subspecialties is, uh, becomes more common in areas where uh, the, the big cities. Uh, so you may go to Los Angeles and find some podiatrist that he basically specializes in doing one particular kind of surgery. Mm -hmm. um, or let's say if somebody is like, okay, I am um, a pediatric podiatrist. Um, so in smaller cities, you can't afford to be just subspecialized in the numbers. Um, right. So you don't see a lot of that around here. Um, most of us podiatrists are uh, kind of, um, we do everything. Um, um, but, but the specialties it could be, uh, big ones are wound care, 
um, uh, ankle surgery. Um, uh, there's a more of an up and coming uh, uh, techniques and things like that. There's subspecialties there, uh, pediatric, like I mentioned. Uh, those are the big ones um, that uh, there's a lot of fellowships out there that you can go and uh, get more training and then you subspecialize. And some people decide to, I, I'm going to just do bunions. I do bunion surgery and that's, I'm really good at it. I do a lot of them and that's, I'm specializing in that. It doesn't mean other people around you don't do it. It's just, that's what you may promote uh, in your advertisements. That's what you right. like to do and you do. Um, so um, we, I'm not a, a specialized in any of those uh, uh, regions. I, I basically, the kind of residency I did uh, we touched on all of those things. Um, but if, if I see something, for example, a very complicated pediatric case, uh, I, won't, uh, I won't treat that because I just don't have enough exposure in this area to enough of them to feel comfortable on a regular basis to be treating them. So we may some, send somebody to a more specialty clinic in um, Seattle. Um, right. or something like that if it's a you know a, a congenital deformity or something like that um, so I'm not specialized uh, in any uh, and we do all this normal stuff that every podiatrist does as far as bunion surgeries hematosurgeries, surgeries wound care tra you know trauma we we, 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 we fix uh, broken bones uh, etc uh, we do all of it it just when it comes to pediatric I think that's the only point that if they're really young and it's a more complicated uh, or it's more severe um, deformity, et cetera, I may refer them uh, to specialty uh, pediatric or podiatrist or, or even pediatric orthopedist. They, they, they also deal with the same kind of foot deformities, and that's where we will send them. Thank you. And then, so my final question for you is, do you have any advice for young people interested in podiatry or just medicine in general? Well, um, the advice is uh, probably nothing new that you wouldn't hear for some, from somebody else, um, but um, uh, prepare to be working hard um, is how I would put it. Um, when I when I wanted to get into podiatry school, I kind of um, went around and talked to some of the local podiatrists. And one thing that stuck in my mind uh, uh, was an old podiatrist I was talking to. He said, he said, hey, you don't have to be smart to be uh, a doctor uh, or become a doctor. You just need to be persistent. Um, so, so I really don't think you need a certain kind of... Uh, uh, intelligence beyond the normal, of course, uh, that you don't need to be the, you know, the most intelligent person in the class to be a successful, good physician. You just need to be a hardworking one. You need to be dedicated and say, this is what I really want to do, and I'm going to do it the best of my ability. And, um, and so working hard is, I think, is the most important thing. Um, in our class, 30% uh, of people dropped off after the first year of medical school. And that was told to us. It says the prediction is 30% of you will not be here next year. And, and my conclusion from that was that that was a 30% that really didn't take it seriously. They thought it's going to be easy and they're going to come in and they're going to do their thing and get a degree and uh, all of that. 
uh, once they did the first year, they saw how much of a pressure was on them. Uh, they changed their mind about it. Um, so prepare to be hardworking, meaning be persistent. It doesn't mean anything other than that, you know, getting your work done, being being on top of every responsibility that you have and doing it the best of your ability. Um, and, and that sets your basically trajectory for the next step, which is if you get a good, good grades in your medical school, then you have a better chance of getting a good residency. It's very competitive. Not all residencies are created equal. And, and, and if you want to get a good residency in the area you want, then you better be competitive, and that's how you be competitive. Your grades will will speak for itself, and, and after that, and the residency then sets your trajectory for what kind of a practice you get into. You want to get into a successful uh, practice uh, who are very picky. You better have something to show for it. You wanna you wanna have that residency. Uh, you can't make it up later. You can't go and say, okay, well, gee, I messed up and I got a bad residency, but I'll do better now. Well, it's maybe too late by then. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it will set your trajectory basically from the, from the medical school to the residency to podiatry or to any uh, specialty but being a physician. Um, and also, I think you have to decide what kind of, uh, what kind of, uh, where is your talents? Uh, you, I think it's good even in, in physicians, you know, there are some that do much better in a private practice and some that don't do well in private practice. They mm-hmm. are better suited to be in a, um, in a uh, university setting or hospital setting, etc. Not everybody's cut out to be a businessman and um, a physician at the same time and be successful in both. So that's, uh, that would be, that would be my advice. Yeah, thank you. So just two takeaways for our listeners that I got from that, which I think are really great, were just being persistent and hardworking and how your intelligence isn't really the one thing that matters. And then also being able to tell where your strengths are and finding a line of work that fits that. So I love that so much. Thank you. Um, And so those are all the questions I have for you. Thank you for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to do this with me. I really, really appreciate it. It's most my pleasure, certainly. Thank you. Um, Bye. Bye Bye-bye now. Take care. Wasn't it just so wonderful to hear from such an incredible professional? I truly hope you were able to think medicine with me today. Again, my name is Sonia Surya, and I'm from Portland, Oregon in the United States. I'm always open to hearing new ideas that I can try out. If you have ideas for me, want to learn something more, or just want to send me your thoughts, click the voice message button on my profile at anchor.fm slash thinkmedicine or send it directly through the link anchor.fm slash thinkmedicine slash message. I'd love to hear from you all directly, and I'm open to expanding the type of content I offer. If you enjoyed this episode, share this podcast with someone who you think would love it as well. Thank you for being here today, and I'll talk to you again on the next episode of Think Medicine with Sonia.